Welcome into A to Z Sports. I'm Austin Stanley. He is Zach Bingham. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch. We're Nashville's on-demand sports talk network, and we go live every weekday morning at 8 Central Time. Got to thank our sponsors because they make it happen for our show and for help you guys out. Renters Warehouse Nashville, the professional landlords in the Nashville area. Renterswarehouse.com is where to go to find out how much your home can rent for. Mandu, the pulse of fitness where one 15-minute workout equals five-plus hours in the weight room. Mandu.com, your first workout's free. The Tucker Agency, save money on your personal insurance by going to TuckerTN.com. Simple as that in the Nashville area, TuckerTN.com. Calvin and Subtle in the greater Middle Tennessee area as well for your brand new hardwood floors and finishings, CalvinAndSubtle.com. And the Bone and Joint Institute, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care, boneandjointtn.org. So, Zach, uh, a lot to talk about with Josh Heupel, with what he brings to Tennessee. We spent a lot of time yesterday talking about the quarterback position, the offensive success that Josh Heupel has had wherever he's been. And one common thing that I saw from Tennessee fans when I put out a bunch of uh, stats on Twitter about Josh Heupel's top 10 offenses, really top six offenses at UCF is, well, that's not the SEC. And then the counter is he led the SEC in total offense in two years running the Missouri Tiger offense. And we know this, that Mizzou, when they were good, they were winning with SEC defensive players of the year. But Josh Heupel had the Missouri Tigers offense flying high for a couple of years. So Josh Heupel does have success offensively in the SEC. 28 and 8 is a pretty solid head coaching record. We know the trajectory and the concerns of that that Josh Heupel's had over his three years at UCF. But you, I think, have something that he can bring to Tennessee to get them closer to Florida and Georgia. Georgia. Now, Jeremy Pruitt said something this past season, Zach, where he said he believed the gap was closing with Alabama. And uh, like Maury says, that was a lie, right? Uh, that there's the gap was not closing whatsoever between Tennessee and Alabama. But what can Josh Heupel do with Tennessee in the gap between the Vols and Florida and Georgia? So I had to go back and and do some research because look, I'm not a Tennessee fan. I've watched every game because it is a part of my job. But uh, I had to go back and do some research and figure out why Tennessee had been getting the results that they had. Yeah, they won eight straight games over the course of two seasons, but you know that, that doesn't really get you anywhere if it's over the course of two. You want it in one, and you want results. You want wins, and you want championships in some form or fashion sure. or big bowl games to show for it. Tennessee hasn't had that. So I had to look, go back and, and take a step back and look at what Tennessee, where they struggled and where they need to improve. But – the one thing Josh, Josh Heupel brings is pretty obvious, okay? It's obvious to every Vol fan that has been following this week and what Danny White was able to do by bringing Josh Heupel. And so I will let Heupel actually answer this question. This, as the title of the show says, one thing Josh Heupel brings uh, to Tennessee that gets them closer to competing with Georgia and Florida. We'll talk about expectations later in the show, but let's listen to Josh Heupel. We're going to play with tempo here. We're going to be the aggressor. We're going to play with our skilled players out in space. We're going to give them an opportunity to, to push the football down the field. 
At the same time, if you really watch what we do, we're extremely balanced in our approach as far as run and pass. We want to be physical. We want to dominate the line of scrimmage. Those are all things that are going to translate to, to what we're doing here in, in Knoxville. Josh Heupel is an offensive mind. You could go as far as saying an offensive guru. He's been doing it at Oklahoma. We talked about Missouri. We just saw it at UCF and what he was able to accomplish with the offensive weaponry that he used to score. Score points, and we want to score again. If I'm a Tennessee fan, which I am not, I would be excited about that aspect. But that's the one thing that's been missing. So this is the research that I did. The last time that Tennessee was worth a damn on the offensive side of the football was in 2016. We all know that season, the failed expectations of Butch Jones. They were second in the SEC behind, oh, go figure, Alabama. And there's a reason why competing with Tennessee or with Florida and Georgia is different than competing with Alabama. Those are apples and oranges. But then it started to drop off. After that, Tennessee's offense has been extremely bad, really bad. So I take you to the stats. After that 2016 season, in 2017, dead last, 14th in the SEC in total offense. The following year in 2018, 13th, second to dead last. The following season, 2019, and that was behind Arkansas, and Arkansas that season was god-awful. Following that year, after being last, second to last, then they followed that up in, in 2019 with being 11th. 11th, which was their season of winning eight games. 11th in the SEC. And then, if you look at what they did last year in 2020, they were 12th. They regressed, 11th to 12th. That's been their issue. So this is why yesterday I said that Danny White and let's just say the Tennessee Brass made the correct decision by going to hire Josh Heupel because if all of those seasons, I went from 2016 to 2020, if you look at the top at least the top three teams in total offense, two out of the three teams made the SEC championship. The only team that didn't do that was way back when in 2017, which was Missouri, who's the the, uh, best total offense in the entire SEC that season. Led by who? Josh Heupel. Bingo. As Logan says, bingo right there. It's all about offense. A to Z Sports here live on this Thursday. I do want to react to what Zach had to say there and really get my uh, take on what I think Josh Heupel brings. So here's the question. I just want to ask you guys a simple question. What do you think Josh Heupel can do to close the gap between Florida and Georgia? What do you think Josh Heupel can do to close the gap and compete with Georgia and Florida? But first, let me tell you guys real quickly. About Renters Warehouse Nashville, the professional landlords in the Nashville area, RentersWarehouse.com is where to go to find out how much your home can rent for. Uh, So many different ways. You can use Renters Warehouse if you're currently renting out a home and you want to move. They've got an incredible inventory uh, to size up, size down, whatever it might be in the rental game. Also, if you want that long-term equity, if you want long-term wealth, 
Rental property is your ticket to get there and renters warehouse, the professional landlords can make it easy for you. That mailbox money is always a win at renterswarehouse.com. It is these sports. We're talking about Tennessee, Josh Heupel, the hire uh, by the Tennessee volunteers. Austin, we went through a lot of things right there in the statistical background of the Tennessee offense since 2016. Very bad, porous. Josh Heupel, and this is a guarantee, guys. Again, I am not a Tennessee hype man by any means <laughs> at all. But a guarantee is that Josh Heupel will improve this offense. Just like yeah. Lane Kiffin progressed Ole Misses. Now, Ole Miss was a little bit – was definitely offensively further ahead. But they're score, they'll score points. They'll have other issues besides scoring points. And as a fan base, you need to look forward to that. Right. So a couple of comments. Uh, jo- I sounded like a New Yorker comments. Uh, Joshua says nothing he can't recruit with them. He will definitely get out coached by Kirby Smart. May split with Mullen. If you think Kirby Smart is a better in-game coach than Dan Mullen, I don't know what you've been watching the last several years. Kirby Smart relies on his recruiting to help build his program. So I, I disagree with that uh, sentiment. Dan Mullen's the best football coach in the SEC East right now, and I don't think that's even close. Uh, Ethan Ramsey says his team score, and if you score, you always have a chance. Jarrett, with a joke, hand out Arby's instead of McDonald's. Arby's isn't on the strip, so you might need to go with, like, Chick-fil-A or Taco Bell or something like that. Chick-fil-A would never do that, ever. Chick-fil-A probably has too much. Now it gets into a whole other thing. Here's why I say Chick-fil-A with that is because the SEC and Chick-fil-A have a deal, and Chick-fil-A sandwiches are usually what the team, what teams eat after games, right? If you're about to get on the bus to go back to the the airport, you've got like a big cooler or a big hot bag full of Chick-fil-A sandwiches that each player gets as they get on the bus. That's why Chick-fil-A makes sense because a a football player having a Chick-fil-A bag, there's no like red flags up because they get Chick-fil-A all the time. No cash on Sunday. I know. I know. All right. So, but look, yeah, I'm with you. You, you lose that one day. Rob that day says, is huge. That stacks up over 52 weeks. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. Uh, Rob says without a quarterback, his offense won't work. Uh, Donald says nothing. Kirby and Mullen are much better than him. Uh, let's see. <laughs> My brother says teams eat whatever they want after a game. Uh, so uh, with me, Zach, I think, I think it's all about the quarterback. It's it's literally about the quarterback. And I think Tennessee has two guys, uh, three, because I keep forgetting about Hendon Hooker, who was actually pretty productive at Virginia Tech for being a, a part-time starter at Vought Tech. Hendon Hooker can come in. He's got a clean slate. He enters the same type of clean slate as Harrison Bailey and Caden Salter. And I think those three quarterbacks, Josh Heupel, will have an opportunity to say, Here's my system. May the best quarterback win. And I think Josh Heupel can do that. I think he can have success. If he can have Dylan Gabriel, a three-star recruit, throw for 3,600 yards as a true freshman at UCF, I get the I get the whole competition thing in the AAC. But they just need a 2,000-yard passer. Like, Tennessee has struggled to get 200 yards a game at times. So if they can just get a 2,000 or 2,500-yard passer, and just get their guys in open space that the, that he talked about in his press conference yesterday, I think they can be competitive in more games. The Vols just had the most predictable offense with Eric Gray being the only thing you could count on, and Eric Gray now going to Oklahoma with a few other guys, that now you don't have that. You've got to be unpredictable, and I think Josh Heupel can do that. And here's a little teaser, Zach. 
you know about this. Uh, one of our Dallas Cowboys writers, Cole Patterson, was a recruiting analyst in the SEC that last year. And guess who he did a recruiting evaluation on? Quarterback Caden Salter. So coming up tomorrow at A to Z Sports Nashville.com, that recruiting evaluation on Caden Salter and how he fits in Josh Heupel's offense, that's going to come out at A to Z Sports Nashville.com. So that's something you can't get anywhere else. An SEC recruiting analyst doing an evaluation on Caden Salter with Josh Heupel. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But quarterback. Well, everybody is, wants to know more about him. Yes, quarterback is, is everything about this Josh Heupel hire. I think the other assistants, as he fills out his staff, will help with the weaknesses that Heupel has. But it's all about the quarterback. And I think quarterback play will elevate the entire roster. It gives the defense more confidence. Uh, it gives the O-line, the running backs, the wide receiver. It gives everybody more confidence uh, that they can go out there and succeed. Yeah, well, the other thing that doing that research uh, on, on the Vols, it, it solidifies that Jim Chaney was not good. Now, him combined with his players, that was not the correct offense for this era of SEC football. Like, look at what Alabama did. Alabama out, we thought, and I still think LSU's team with Joe Burrow, I mean, that may, that I still think that's the best team in college football history because they played all the games. But this past year's Alabama team was unbelievable. And what did they do? They did that with offense. That is the and so this again, I will stick to my guns with Tennessee. And you know, everybody came out. I will remember this. You know, when Josh Heupel was hired yesterday, and the rumblings came out, and then it was confirmed, and the reports uh, started to leak. I felt like a ton of uh, the Vol Twitter and Vol Nation were very underwhelmed and disappointed with the hire because it was like Danny White just got his buddy to come back. But if you looked a little bit deeper, now it will be they'll be one over, right? If Josh Heupel comes in here and starts putting up 40 a game right out of the gate and beats a team that maybe he's not supposed to beat, everything will change. But I thought this was a correct hire, and I'm very intrigued on how Tennessee – moving forward, can structure their football program to go win games with an offensive-minded head coach. That is a refreshing feeling, I'm telling you. I've been, I've felt it with Ole Miss and what Lane Kiffin did. You've seen what the, the, the trajectory of what Alabama obviously has done. Dan Mullen, the impact of what he's had on Florida. That, that will change a program in the right way. Even Jimbo Fisher, who, let's just face it, AM was the one the odd man out of this year's college football playoff, but you've had to give Jimbo Fisher a little bit of time, but his offense, he's an offensive-minded head coach, came out there and won football games last year. That's the trend, and now, finally, Tennessee has gotten on board of said trend. All right, so Justin says Heupel is a quarterback coach. He's equivalent to Kiffin or Freeze with less drama. Just need great defensive hires to find success early. I don't think he's the equivalent to Kiffin and Freeze because Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze have recruited the SEC for a long time where Josh Heupel hasn't. You know, and, and I get that a, a lot of the coaching staff are your big heavy recruiters and Josh Heupel can recruit by showing his system works. That's Josh Heupel's best recruiting tool is saying, I've scored 42 points on average per game in all three years as a head coach. And I led the SEC in total points or total scoring uh, in, in offense two years at Missouri. 
that's his recruiting tool. Everything else falls into place with the staff that he hires around him. So I do find uh, that pretty intriguing as well. The kids um, just want to score, right? Do you want to get in the end zone? Yeah. Do you want to celebrate with your teammates in on the checkerboard? Like, there's the sell. It's pretty easy. If you're an offensive uh, player and Josh Hyper is trying to recruit you, uh, that's the selling point, right? Because he can guarantee to get in the end zone. Now, he can't guarantee that his defense will stop the opposing team, but I think he can pretty much guarantee that they will score points. This will not be the, wow, Tennessee can only muster up 10-point type offense. It's just not yeah. going to be. And he can – and he can – What I was told by somebody that I trust uh, the other day that Josh Heupel can, guarantee, can look into a quarterback's eyes – Ty Simpson, for example, and say, I guarantee you will be a better quarterback, a more prepared quarterback when you leave me than when you got to me. And and I don't think any quarterback has been able to hear that from a Vols coach and, be, and, and believe it. Because Butch Jones was saved by Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs was not, like, developed – amazingly as a quarterback, Josh Dobbs got better because Josh Dobbs is a talented player in college football. Well, look he at look at Dobbs's pro career. It kind of solidifies that, right? He's been that traded he a couple times back and forth from Pittsburgh to Jacksonville and back again. So Josh Dobbs is not an NFL quarterback, but he was a really damn good college quarterback that saved a head coach for a couple of years. Well, and and they haven't a had a quarterback can do. A dual threat quarterback can mask your uh, your bad characteristics, right? Like that's what they, and that's what Josh Dobbs did. And I'm curious, a big decision from Josh Heupel. He's got three quarterbacks, as you mentioned, right? Three quarterbacks to decide between. He's got to make the right decision. Yeah. And so somebody asked Chad asked, when was uh, Heupel at Missouri? When, when Gabbert was there? No, Blaine Gabbert was at Missouri like 10 years ago. <laughs> We're talking about uh, when, Blaine Gabbert when, was drafted in the same draft class as Jake Locker. Yeah. 2011 or 2011. 2011. Yes. So, but right. So look, Drew Locke was the quarterback, and it was Drew Locke's sophomore and junior year. Then what happened? Josh Heupel got hired as a UCF head coach. Derek Dooley was the offensive coordinator, ironically, uh, for Drew Locke's senior year. But Drew Locke really took steps in that really sophomore and junior season when Missouri led the SEC in total offense both years. So that's the impressive part there. All right, Zach, let's get to this conversation because I find this very intriguing. What does Josh Heupel have to achieve at Tennessee to be considered a successful hire. What does Heupel have to achieve at Tennessee for this to be considered a success? So get your answers ready. We'll read your comments. But first, I'm going to tell you guys about the Bone & Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. Again, whenever that injury happens in life, uh, you can get the best care possible at the Bone and Joint Institute. They take care of you throughout the entire process from the initial diagnosis and doctor visit of that injury uh, to uh, the rehab process. Even the surgeries happen right there in one building. They also have their brand new facility in Nolansville for sport ortho and rehab there. Uh, Boneandjointtn.org. A to Z Sports, we are talking about the Tennessee Volunteers and really the big question that we're asking you guys is what does Josh Heupel have to achieve at Tennessee to be considered a successful hire? There, 
there's a lot of ways to answer this. I have, I probably have four ways to answer this. Um, there's a lot of comments. I'm sure those four, I'm sure comments will cover those four ways. Yeah. So I'll, let's go to the comment section. Let's go to the chat, see what you guys have to say. Uh, Jared says, beat Kentucky. Interesting first comment of beat Kentucky. But We're not talking about year one. Like we'll, we'll talk about year one expectations uh, later in today's show. We will touch on that. But beating Kentucky is a part of it. <laughs> you have to beat Kentucky, yes. Well, and then it follows up with Danny's uh, comment. It says, I think everyone is so negative because Tennessee has been that way for so long, right? Like that's just how it's been for so long. There is doubt about that. Joshua says, win the SEC East, win more than six games from Louie, win the East from Donald. Uh, that's a loaded question from Steph. Finish with a record over 500. Don't, well, uh, Steph says, considering the circumstances, and the circumstances that we don't know yet, right? We don't know what the NCAA sanctions are. Now, I will go through Josh Heupel's contract in a second and talk about that with those circumstances, uh, but uh, I, I do think we can talk about this. We can still have this conversation think, as a whole. Yeah, but, that's, but you can say that about everything. Everything. You can yes. say that about anything. For sure. You there, Zach, or did you freeze? I think you're here. Now Zach is frozen. So, are you there? Bark twice if you're in Milwaukee. I mean, can you, Zach, can you, can you say something? Zach froze. So I, I will go ahead while Zach tries to reconnect and get back in here. I will go ahead and continue to read some comments. JTP says, be more than a bridge guy. DeMarie says, win all non-conference games, beat Kentucky and Vandy. That would automatically get you to six wins and get you in a bowl. Hunter says, keep steal. Uh, let's see, from, uh, from William Watt saying, basically just win games. Corey says, personally, I just want Tennessee to score points been stagnant for years. Dustin says six games. Now we're not talking about year one with this. We're talking about uh, what does he have to achieve at Tennessee for this to be a successful hire, not in year one overall. So everybody who's saying six wins is uh, missing the, the point of the question here, but Zach, now that you're back, uh, welcome back in after that little freeze frame. There. Yeah. I got in the penalty box. The first thing, <laughs> it made me laugh. The first thing that I saw was uh, the new zero superhero, Zach Freeze. The second thing I saw was from our own Zach Rickinson, Basilio hacked the show. I know. I don't, because I, I don't know if he knows how to do that. No, he doesn't. I, he doesn't know how to troubleshoot anything. And so <laughs> I, it's, but it is ironic that the day after I make fun of Tony Basilio, having one of his hosts that continues to get knocked off of the, whatever they're using, uh, Zach freezes. I, I personally, I wasn't going to say, I thought that was a low blow. For the IT guy of this company, I did not support that comment yesterday. I supported some of the other things you said, but I thought that was a that was a stupid ass move by you, Austin, because you know the ups and downs of technical difficulties. Don't go there. You didn't have to go there. That's like having that's like making fun of somebody with car trouble. That's stupid because <laughs> everybody can have car trouble, and it's probably going to be you at some point too. So anyway, so Zach, I'll let you answer. I've I've read a lot of comments while you were getting back in here. Zach Reagan gets in, clean up the program, compete with Florida, close the gap, right? So what does Josh Heupel have to achieve at Tennessee for this to be considered a success, right? Not year one overall. And DeMarie says, but it says year one expectations. We will talk about year one expectations later on in the show. We will get to it. But now we're still on the hype train part of the graphic. So what does he have to achieve at Tennessee for this to be a successful hire? Well, so this is how I break it down. 
to answer this question correctly, it involves winning games, right? W's, beating teams. It's not about scoring points. That gets you close, right? That gets you closer to scoring more points than the other team, which equals a win. But you have to win games. How he wins games, the offense will come. It's just that's what he concentrates on. He's he's had too much success elsewhere for them not to have a good offense. Whether it will be great will remain to be seen. Recruiting and defense will define if he will win games, okay? Recruiting and defense. Can he recruit and can he find a defense? And if he finds a defense with a good defensive coordinator, then you've got the facets of football. You have offense, defense, and special teams. You've got two-thirds of that, right? So to equal winning games, he has to do something that – that let's just face it, not a lot of Tennessee coaches in the last 10 years have done, and that is Florida and Georgia. Look at the title of the show. You have to compete, and you have to win. It's really not about, like, competing out of the gate is important, like in the first couple of years, but by year three, here's where now where I'll be specific, year three, he has to beat Florida and or Georgia. That's, yeah. Uh, and or you don't have to beat both in the same season, but if you beat Florida year three or you beat Georgia year three or you beat both of them in year three, it's a successful hire because of the NCAA violations, because of what they've come off of over the last three coaching hires that defines success. I don't want to say SEC East championship. I don't want to say college football bowl bid by probably that time it will be expanded to eight teams, but I will say beat Florida and or Georgia. So, um, and I, I'm with you on the fact of like the year three thing, because when Jeremy Pruitt was getting blown out in every game he played against Georgia and Florida for all three years, there was no progress being made. There was no closing of the gap as Jeremy Pruitt was trying to sell everybody after they got waxed by Alabama they couldn't score. again. Huh? They couldn't score on those teams. Right. They couldn't. No, consistently they couldn't. And, and we thought at halftime with the Georgia game this past year, it was like, holy hell, what's happening right now? Tennessee's 2-0. and They look good in the first two wins. They're up at Georgia, and they get the ball to start the second half. And then it just all went to hell, actual hell, for the next three months, and that's where we are right now. So they have to actually compete and play in close games with Georgia and Florida, no doubt. But and I'm, not, I'm with you. I'm not going to tie Josh Heupel's success to only winning the SEC East. Obviously, the ultimate goal for the Tennessee Volunteers football program is to play in Atlanta for the SEC championship game. But that hasn't happened since 2007, right? Yes, since 2007, December of 07. So that is not realistic right now for what Tennessee's at. But I do think Josh Heupel can be judged based off of how many games can he win. I think Josh Heupel would be considered a successful hire if he gets 10 wins in a season. If he gets back to 10 wins in a season, which doesn't mean you have to win the SEC East, that's 9-3 and three regular season with a bowl win. I still count that. If Josh Heupel can do that where they are right now, 
That means they're scoring a whole lot of points. They found some stability on defense. They're still recruiting well, and they're having successful quarterback play. Quarterback play is, again, everything. And if Josh Heupel can get Tennessee to win 10 games in a season, and that could mean, that could mean 4-0 in the non-conference, and you can beat all cupcakes, and you take care of everybody but Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. Or maybe you beat one of them. No. Uh, again, hold on. Time that, out. I'm, not, I'm, not done. I'm not done yet. You beat one of the three, and then you lose one game you're supposed to win. Whatever it might be. If you, at the end of the year, you look there and you see a 10-3 and three record, I think Josh Heupel's done a damn good job. I think you can say that based off of where they are at, are at right now and what might be coming down the pipe here with NCAA stuff, and we'll talk about that in a moment. I think if he can win 10 games in a season, you look and say, dang, that's a pretty good job by Josh Heupel. Here's the difficult part on YouTube. Knox Vall says, tough expectations to beat Georgia and Florida in year three now because Tennessee's losing many of their elite talent to the portal, and that sets them back. And here's the fact of the matter, Austin. I put, look, expectations are expectations. The difficult situation of this, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama aren't slowing down in the next three years. No. They're recruiting at an all-time clip. Florida and Alabama, which are two out of the three teams, just went to the SEC championship game. Georgia was there the year before. Like, I, that's the issue is that how far has Tennessee fallen to get back to competing because they're that much ahead, those three teams, on top of, as Knoxville right. mentioned, Tennessee is going to be working behind the eight ball because the violations will come down. I don't know in what capacity. Yeah, and again, we'll talk about that. A couple comments I want to read. Nate says, won't see 10 wins, we'll see six. Sheesh, delusional. I'm not talking about this year, guys. The question that we're asking, because Jeffrey says the same thing too. Austin, it ain't going to happen. He's going to struggle in the SEC. We're not asking our predictions for Josh Heupel. It's, the question is, what does Josh Heupel have to achieve to be considered a successful hire at Tennessee? It's not prediction machine. It's what does he have to achieve to be considered a success? And I think it's a 10-win season, then you can call Josh Heupel a success. Will he get there? I have no idea. Is it going to happen in year one? Absolutely hell no. So, like, let's understand the conversation we're having before you blast everybody in the comment section here. So, overall, Zach says, beat either Georgia or Florida in year three. I say you got to get to 10 wins to be considered a success. Yeah, and that's the difference, right? I mean, year one, they're coming off a three-win season, and they fired their head coach. So, like, the expectation for four paying players. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I say next year. Like, we'll talk about year one. Like, you don't expect them. Like, it's actually a pretty good situation. You can win. You Josh Heupel, because of the benefit of COVID, right? Of COVID in 2020, they're going to play more games in 2021. They are like I. They're they will not just play Man. an SEC schedule. Money mm -hmm. won't allow that. They have to play more games to make more money. So he'll have more opportunity to win more games. So if everybody will say, "Oh, they only won three year three wins in 2020, 2021, If he wins five games, it's it's the correct tire, right? Out of the gates, right? That's what we're talking about. Out of the gates in that aspect. But overall, 
Tennessee fans are ready and are tired of hearing the gator chop and the dog pound barking down their throat year after year because they can only score 10, 17, or 21 points while Florida and Georgia is shellacking them with 40-plus. Yeah, Tennessee only scored, only cracked 30 points this past season uh, twice. <laughs> uh, no, three times. And in all, th- in all three games, they had a defensive touchdown. The offense, Vandy, was the only time they could actually score points offensively to get 30 their own. And Josh Heupel has never averaged less than 42 points in a game. Beating a defeated team that didn't win a game all season is not something to hang your hat on. They had 48 scholarship players. (laughs) All right, A to Z Sports. Uh, Let's do one thing because we're talking about what does he have to do to be considered a success. Now, we do have to acknowledge the potential NCAA sanctions, and there there are two key parts of Josh Heupel's Vols contract that I want to dive into with you guys. But first, Zach, tell everybody about Calvin and Subtle. Yeah, Calvin and Subtle is where you need to get your hardwood floors. Look, we feature them right here on the show. You can get brand new hardwood floors. Look, we've got a little bit of a, a, a darker hue of a hardwood floor. I can show you that right there. That's called Rivoli. And then this is Dover. This is a little bit lighter, right? Look at this. This is nice. You like one to two weeks once you order your perfect hardwood floor, they will order the material and install in your house. It's a very simple fix. Upgrade your home, the equity, and your surroundings. 615 448 6414. That's 615 448 6414 or online at calvinandsuttle.com. All right, A to Z Sports here live on a Thursday. A reminder we started talking about this yesterday. We do have. Coming Monday, Monday morning, huge uh, development in A to Z Sports Morning Show. Things will change for the better. It will get you guys more involved, and it'll be an amazing thing for what 2021 will be. So Monday morning, uh, we will have an announcement for A to Z Sports Morning Show uh, that will be a lot of fun for everybody. Trust us on that. Okay, very, exci- very excited yeah. about that announcement on Monday, and I think uh, we're all going to learn a lot. Yes. And right, you're, no you're gonna just learn a lot. That's yes. what you'll, you'll do. So we we still will get year one expectations here on the show this morning, but I do want to dive into two key parts of Josh Heupel's contract to Tennessee. So he's he signed a six year, twenty four million dollar contract. So he's getting paid four million dollars per year, right, uh, for six years through the twenty twenty six season. Now. He has, and this was attained by 24-7 Sports, a good work by them for this. Um, he will grant he will get an extra year for the 2027 season if the Vols have a postseason ban of two or more years or a scholarship reduction of eight or more. So he will get a seventh season automatically if there's a two-year postseason ban or eight or more scholarship reductions. So that's interesting. Um, And then his buyout, here's where Tennessee has to make sure this doesn't absolutely flop. Jeremy Pruitt on the football field showed he could not be a successful head coach in year three of him being at Tennessee, regardless of recruiting violations and all that. Uh, Three years, Jeremy Pruitt, we knew that wasn't it. If Josh Heupel is hired Within his, is, I'm sorry, is Josh Heupel is fired within his first three seasons, 
at Tennessee, his buyout is 100% of the contract. If he's fired after year three and within year five of the contract, it's just 75% buyout. And then if it's his last year of the deal, then it's 50% of the buyout. So Tennessee, they're, they're going to get slapped with postseason ban. I don't know if it's one year, two year, whatever. But Josh Heupel likely to get that seventh year of the contract, which was a good negotiation tactic by his agent uh, to get in that extra season, if that's the case, or the scholarship production. And it's it's very important that Tennessee does not need to fire Josh Heupel without cause in the first four or five years. They cannot afford to do this again three or four years down the road and owe a lot of money to a coach. Well, three or four is the magic number of yeah. fan bases getting tiresome, right? I mean, we, we've just seen it too often. That's when, you know, if you win three or four games and you start losing to your rival in Vanderbilt or Kentucky, then that's when things start to go south. I, I I don't think that will happen, but I don't know, right? We never know. You can't predict the future. Josh Heupel has to really work hard to build something in the next three years. He's got to get to four and five, right? And the problem, though, another one, is what Tennessee tends to do and be a dumbass and just give them extensions. They like giving people extensions. Well, that, and, that, and hopefully Danny White doesn't. Act right. the same well, way that Philip Fulmer, like, hey, we're gonna pay our guys. We're gonna pay them in a couple of different ways through fast food bags and Jeremy Pruitt for winning all them games. Who's whose voice is that? That, that that's, you cannot that got them in trouble because Philip Fulmer gave Jeremy Pruitt an extension. It's like Pruitt ain't going anywhere, it's Tennessee. Like, that's the one thing that Tennessee has over these coaches is that they're the, the better jobs. Or Alabama, USC, Ohio State, Texas, and they're not going to leave to go there like that. So Tennessee has to be smart and not at the first sign of a good year and a good season. Give this man an extension. Don't do it. Don't be stupid. Okay, you signed the contract. He signed the contract. That's right. what Tennessee has to learn their lesson, and I think or hope that Danny White at least what we know of him is not going to be Philip Fulmer, who was a wannabe athletic director with zero experience. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a couple things real quick, a nugget that we'll definitely discuss tomorrow. Deshaun Watson has officially requested a trade from the Texans. So that's something there. Uh, Jarrett is just factually incorrect. He says that Tennessee will be paying three former coaches their buyout money simultaneously. No, they won't because they fired uh, Jeremy Pruitt with cause, so they don't owe him anything for his buyout. And Jeremy Pruitt going to the Giants in the NFL tells me that he's, he's likely to get a show cause uh, because he's not trying to get another college job. And Butch Jones is done being paid. Uh, that's so, though, Jarrett, just factually incorrect uh, with that. Now, Zach Reagan says they might be paying Kevin Steele uh, if he is not retained by Josh Heupel. And I think that is an obvious thing for Josh Heupel to do is retain Kevin Steele to run the defense because Kevin Steele knows how to play SEC defense at a high level because he did it at Auburn. And he's also got all of the recruiting connections across the Southeast. So 
Uh, Kevin Steele makes all the sense for Josh Heupel to help him out. I mentioned this yesterday. CEOs need to know what they're good at and know what they're not good at and hire people to fix and to uh, execute what they're not good at. Josh Heupel's good at offense. That's fine. Call the offensive plays. Do your thing, Heupel. But then you've got to be able to hire Kevin Steele or someone of that ilk to run the defense and to help recruit well, because that's hired. not what Josh Heupel does. What He's already hired. You don't have to go hire Kevin well, Steele. He's hired. That's, that's the benefit. What, Zach, that's why I said if he's retained because we don't know what Josh Heupel is going to do. He could, and Kevin Steele was hired as a defensive assistant, not as a defensive coordinator. So he was hired as a defense assistant, so he had to be retained and elevated to defensive coordinator. Quickly, what do you think the impact is Puka brings up? Pruitt still determined since attorney is appealing to try to get his money. Does that influence the aggressiveness of Tennessee and this coaching staff with that looming? Because, Austin, it's real. You cannot just, like, uh, forget about it and say that that lawsuit's not coming coming forth. That's a lot of money on the table. Whether you have to pay all of it or a little bit of it, what do you think about that? Tennessee's got the big stick in this, right? Because they've got more money than Jeremy Pruitt does to go to court. So if I'm Tennessee, I don't settle with Jeremy Pruitt. If Jeremy Pruitt wants it that bad to go to court, then okay, go to court because Jeremy Pruitt's not going to win that. Like Jeremy, I I, I disagree. Obviously. Everything comes out. You don't think Jeremy they, Pruitt has millions of dollars? Or you, what are you talking about? Sure, Jeremy Pruitt might have millions of dollars. But Tennessee's got more. Like, if Tennessee, like, a coach will not win a court case against a state-run university. He's not trying to win. He's trying to settle. Do you That's understand my point. that? That's what I just said. Did you not listen to me? I just said that if I'm Tennessee, no way in hell am I settling. I'm going to court with Jeremy Pruitt. If I'm Tennessee, because I'm going to win that, Jeremy Pruitt will get nothing. You can go to court and then settle. Do you not understand how, like, the, not, the law they, works? Zach, from the information that I know, if Jeremy Pruitt goes to court, Tennessee shows everything that he did to prove that they fired him with cause for real. Jeremy Pruitt will not get money. He will be fired for cause. Well, let me go a step further there, Austin. Did you think about this? If they show everything, why wouldn't the NCAA just wait around to punishment to punish them to find out what everything is? Because that's, that's the separate. strategy of Jeremy Pruitt, Austin. Because that's did separate. you ever think about that? Sure. That I mean, no, no I didn't. Because that is a smart deal, right? Because the NCAA doesn't operate like that. The NCAA is doing their own investigation. They're not going to wait on court cases between the university and the Your fire coach. Must be crazy. That's exactly how the NCAA operates. No, they operate on their own. Like that's the point. <laughs> look, if my point is, if Jeremy Pruitt takes this thing to court, he is in deep stuff. Like Jeremy Pruitt will have everything come out against him, and he will get a long show cause. Where right now, he goes and works in the NFL, he gets paid whatever salary that is. If he if he gets a one- or two-year show cause, then he comes back to the college game as Nick Saban's defensive coordinator in two or three years, and all is right. Well, I, and and here's, we don't know, we do not know the ins and outs, but Tennessee has to prove that Jeremy Pruitt had knowledge of what was going down. That's not... That's, that's not that's, how that's, that's not what I'm saying is that is important. 
Zach, in I Jeremy, prefaced, I prefaced we do not know the ins and outs. I'll tell you. I'll I tell you this, Zach. If you uh, if you give me a second, I'll tell you. In Jeremy Pruitt's contract, it says it does not matter if Jeremy Pruitt had knowledge of the incident violations or not. That if someone on his staff was doing this, that's on Pruitt for not knowing about it. So that is how the contract was written. So it doesn't matter. Pruitt is in deep trouble regardless. That's that's the contract. Would not be suing if he didn't feel he had a case. That's what I'm saying. Well, it's because that, that, Pruitt, those are the facts. Well, Pruitt, he not, was, if he felt that he he did wrong, he would not spend the money to actually. And that's what's happening. Jeremy Pruitt is filing a lawsuit because of of, of non paid funds of his previous employer. That's what's happening. That and tells Kelkins, Kelkins, who's a lawyer, says people sue all the time when they don't have a case to force a settlement. That's what Jeremy Pruitt's doing is trying to force a settlement before going to court. And I, and bet, you, I, I bet that he does settle. I, I don't. If I'm Tennessee, hell no, I'm not settling. I'm going to take this thing as far as I got because Jeremy Pruitt has nothing. It's a blanket statement, though. All right, A to Z Sports, let's, let's move on from that then because we're on different pages here. All right, so the Vols schedule was released yesterday, Zach. So let's dive into this. Uh, we want to do what's a realistic amount of wins for Josh Heupel in year one. But first, tell the folks about the Tucker Agency. Yeah, TuckerTN.com. If you're in the state of Tennessee, if you're all over the country, you can use Nashville's Independent Insurance Agency. Will Tucker and his team can take care of you. Homeowners insurance, renters insurance, car insurance, life insurance. If you've got a family, you got to have that. The average customer that emails will at tuckertn.com saves 20% on their insurance. 20% is money right back into your pocket going into 2021. We can all use that. W I L L, Will and his team, will at tuckertn.com. Email them today. Say, hey, heard about you on A to Z Sports. How can I save money on my insurance? It is the smart thing to do right there at the bottom of the screen. That's will at tuckertn.com. A to Z Sports live here on a Thursday. Deshaun Watson officially requests a trade. We'll probably talk about that tomorrow morning here on A to Z Sports. So the question that we're just asking is, what is a realistic amount of wins for Josh Heupel in year one? I'll, I'll show you the schedule here in a little bit, but a lot of people commenting. Rob says five, Jarrett three, Sean four. Louis six, four from bar, bar, four wins max, maybe five. Dom says five and seven. Nate, six. Um, Kevin, I'm sorry, Kevin, five. Matthew Puka with six. Uh, more common, Jeff Rubel with a five. Brandon with a six and six. So it looks like five, five and six is probably the most popular. So here's the schedule, Zach. I'll throw it up here on the screen so everybody can, can take a look at it. So they open this season with Bowling Green, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee Tech, the Golden Eagles from Cookville, the first three weeks of the season. So Bowling Green, Pitt, and Tennessee Tech. Pittsburgh is a toss-up at this point because we really have no idea what Tennessee's roster looks like. We have no I don't know, I know nothing about Pitt right now. And I doubt many SEC people know anything about Pitt. But Bowling Green, Tennessee Tech, those are wins. Then your other non-conference game is down there against South Alabama, who also has a brand new head coach. So at, at worst case, you're three and one in the non-conference. At absolute worst case there. Then obviously you got your SEC East games, your Alabama game, and Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss come to town October 16th, where a hundred points will be scored in that game. So Zach, 
what is your realistic amount of wins for Josh Heupel in year one with that schedule? Well, look, which uh, so I start with losses, right? right? Guaranteed losses, and then I go to guaranteed wins, and then I go to toss ups, right? That's the easiest way right now. And this is look, we're sitting here at nine o'clock in the morning, January twenty eighth, trying to predict schedules. I get it. We should do this because of what has just happened, the schedule release. But losses come. Florida, Georgia, Alabama, I don't think you're winning any of those, right? So there's three losses right out of the gate. I do think that Kentucky is probably further ahead on you, so I would kind of count that out. And then let's look at the wins, right? I think you can get – here's the tough thing. I, I don't want to hold Georgia uh, State against them a couple of years ago, but like Bowling Green, Pitt, and Texas Tech – Tennessee and you Tech. win off or your Tennessee Tech, excuse me. The big and you win all of those games. I, well, Pitt, I have no idea. Like, and I'm pulling up what Bowling Green. You can be Bowling Green because they will be able to score enough points to play in that game. And Bowling, Bowling Green's Green deep. notoriously has good offenses, though. All right. I'll Pitt went six and all five. Right, right. Uh oh, we had a throwback right there. All right. Bowling Green went 0 and 5 this past year. <laughs> okay, so, so they they've changed. Well, yes. a few years ago they were they were respectable. Bowling Green's points they scored this past year were 3, 24, 17, 10 and 3. All right, we have our answer. Okay, so let's say you start 3 and 0. Missouri, South Carolina, I think you think you could split those games. So I'm at four wins right now. South Alabama, I'm at five wins. And Vanderbilt, I'm at six wins. I think realistically, you can win six games. Yeah, I think that should be the case. That's the yes. that, that's my final answer. So those six were the three non-conference, not counting Pitt, right? Correct. Then Vandy as four. Then you split. What who'd you say? Split uh, South Carolina and Missouri. You can win one, lose one of those. So wh- where where am I missing the the Pitt? You're missing. You, oh, you okay, okay, Pitt. okay. So Pitt. So you're counting 4-0 in the non-conference and 2-6 and in the SEC. Jarrett says Vandy will beat Tennessee next year. Vandy is in such in a, in a terrible spot when it comes to their roster. Like, you can say Tennessee is bad because of the transfer portal. Vanderbilt is in so much worse of a spot because of all the atrophy from this past year. Like, Clark Lee has a hot, hard job. And Zach Reagan says... So Pitt is kind of the biggest game of the year for Tennessee. Well, it distinguishes that, between five and six wins. Well, and yeah, six and, wins is a successful – because I don't know when the bowl band will come down. But they probably will self-impose a bowl band for this year because it, the, the season's not going to matter. They're not going to compete for anything worth a damn. Five to six wins. Six wins is a lot better than five, right? I mean, just is in the perception of getting that bowl bid even though you're not going to go. But yeah, Pitt could be the swing game early on. I do think here's the one benefit, Austin. We talked about just then, if you look at Vanderbilt and Tennessee and what they need to rebuild, Vanderbilt has the slow rebuild, right? Vanderbilt is building to have one successful year, right? That they can go after and win eight games. That's what they're trying to do. I think Tennessee out of the gate, it's a shot of adrenaline. It's an espresso shot where that offense will come in, score points with the players that they have, and it will 
it it will get easy, be a lot easier to get to six. But Tennessee's trying to get to nine, like consistently, like multiple years with nine wins. Vanderbilt's just looking for one year with eight wins. Yeah. So th- that's kind of how I look at it. Well, and Dom says it's a stretch to guarantee any SEC wins right now, to be honest. And that's why I think Zach put kind of said Vanderbilt, I think, is the one where you can say Tennessee is in a much better spot than Vanderbilt is right now. Clark Lee's still never been a head coach. Now, the more and more time that has gone on, I I do like what Clark Lee is trying to do there. He just has a very deep hole to dig out of with what happened over the last 365 uh, with Derek Mason and Vanderbilt. So then you look at how the schedule goes, right? After Florida, you have to go at Florida, at Mizzou in back-to-back weeks. Is that where you slip up and you lose two games? You lose to Missouri with Eli Drinkowitz? Then you look at, uh, I think they can beat South Carolina because South Carolina has Shane Beamer. And South Carolina was really bad last year, and Tennessee got a win over them in week one. Um, So that's Kentucky. It's at Kentucky in November. You never know how that's going to go. But I could see where Tennessee could try to outscore Kentucky in in a – uh, in a situation there, and remember, to Kentucky. Personally, I, real quick, I, I hate this schedule. Like the I know. look of it, a, a bad know. job by Tennessee. Be well, that's everybody's been doing that recently. It's not like I've noticed that the last couple of years, everybody's been doing their schedule format like this, which makes no sense. It's really difficult to read. Like, be better. Like, make it easier. Where, where do you start? Where do you end? What are home? What are away? I mean, don't yes. keep it simple, stupid. Don't try to be like graphic y. You're yeah. too millennial right there. Look, I, I respect millennials. We run a millennial type uh, uh, company, but this is a little too, too in the weeds, right? Like, it's just too much. Yeah. It's Keep like it when stupid. it's like when NBC tried to change the Sunday Night Football camera to permanently be behind the line of scrimmage. No, that's too much. Just do what we want. Or when Monday Night Football tried to do the first down markers in yellow so it looked like there's a flag on the field every time. Right. Yeah, you're doing too much. So, I think I do think 6 and 6 realistic expectation for Tennessee. You need to go 4 and 0 in the non-conference and I think that's doable with Pitt being a big one. And then win two SEC games. I think they can win two SEC games. <laughs> Dom, that's a funny comment. But uh, look, I, I if it does like here's the here's the one thing. Down on the graphic, it says year one expectations. For me, there are no expectations. That's really my answer. Right? We predicted wins and losses, but I have no expectations for Tennessee. If they win four games. It'd be the same as winning five. No difference. I don't know about that. I think, well, it depends. Obviously, you can't lose to. Oh, here's the one stipulation you cannot lose to Bowling Green to open your Tennessee career. That is the one expectation that I do have. I don't care if you compete and all that other BS. You cannot lose to Bowling Green the first time. You step in as Tennessee football head coach. No, you can't do that. And based off of what I saw about Bowling Green this past year, they went 0-5. Here are their point totals they scored in those five games. 3-24, which they lost to Kent State 62-24. Then 17, then 10, and then 3. Their closest margin of defeat was by 28 points. 
31 to 3 to Akron. Bowling Green will be bad. So, so really, and, and Zachary, the big game is Pitt. Pitt yeah. is a recognizable brand and name. They're not real great, right? I I, I just I think that you got to get off to a fast start. So let's look at this through with orange glasses here, Austin. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this real quick because I don't have orange glasses. I could give a rip about Tennessee. I'm unbiased in this. But I'm going to put them on real quick, okay? Let's see if I, I don't know if I have my blue blockers around here, but we'll go ahead and, and let's look at them through orange lenses. Let's say you, you win the first three. That's 3-0. Three and oh. Bowling Green, Pitt, Tennessee Tech. You're 3-0. and oh. You're going to lose to Florida at Florida. That's not surprising. You beat Missouri and South Carolina because Missouri's still rebuilding. You outscore them at Mizzou, and then you beat South Carolina because they have a new ball coach themselves. You're 5-1 and one through October 9th. Old Miss. I don't think you could beat Old Miss. I, I think there's just too many points. I think Lane Kiffin's too far ahead. The and Old Miss's defense, and here, this is one, I, one thing I do know because I went to Old Miss. Ole Miss is concentrated on the defensive side of the football, as they should, and they are getting better recruits on the defensive line. So I will say you're going to lose one of those games. I think that's – so now you're 5-2. and two. You're 5-3 and three after Alabama. You can beat Kentucky. So now you're 6-3. and three. You're going to lose to Georgia. You're 6-4. and four. You'll beat South Alabama. You're 7-4. and four. You beat Vanderbilt. You're 8-4. and four. Best case scenario – Eight and four through orange tinted lenses. Oh yeah, that's absolutely best case scenario. Like in in most of the time, that doesn't happen. <laughs> but six and six is is absolutely realistic. I think their SEC wins are against the other new head coaches that they play: Shane Beamer in South Carolina, Clark Lee and Vandy. Both those games are winnable. That's how you get to a, to a bowl game. Uh, with the six and six record. That was fun to just like, you live a pipe dream, right? It's all of a sudden, it's like, oh yeah, if I just uh, started dating a Victoria's Secret model next week, right? Like that's not going to happen. Eight wins is not going to happen. Those are, but I do like looking at that through maybe Tennessee fans' eyes. I think it's closer to five to six, not seven to eight. Okay, so here's a dumb comment of the day from Barr. SEC ain't AAC, so hype's prior success don't mean bleep now. The SEC plays defense. Well, Barr, I guess you didn't realize. Here's fact. Yes, the SEC and the AAC are different. That's fact. Here's another fact. Josh Heupel had Missouri lead the the SEC in total offense two consecutive years. Missouri. So while you're right, the SEC is a different beast than the AAC, He's been a play caller and had a lot of success in the SEC before. So just understand what you're saying before you say stuff. I I, I actually do not think you need to go at bar because I have an example to shut you up. It's a it, it he SEC plays defense. That last line there by Bar Aldin, I will I will support him. You said the same thing about Mike Leach and Mississippi State, but do you know where Mississippi State's total offense ranked in the SEC last year, Austin? Do you know? No, I don't. Second to last. Second to So that was so, one. Tennessee uh, so, was good. right. Uh, the SEC plays defense. Mississippi State got a taste of that. Kentucky, I think they only scored two points. So you can say all that jazz, but Barr has a good point. 
the SEC plays defense, well, and that is not the AAC. Well, Barr says, how many natties does Mizzou have? What the hell does that have to do with it? Don't, don't do what? <laughs> do you understand? Well, I'll what say this. I- well, okay, hold on. I'll come back with something. Mike Leach hasn't been in the SEC since he had Tim Couch at Kentucky. So there was a 20-year gap of Mike Leach not being in the SEC, which is why we didn't know and why I didn't think Mike Leach would work. Josh Heupel was in the SEC in 2016 and 2017 and had success with it. Like, that's that, it doesn't make sense. Like, Mike Leach, Tim Couch, 90s, like, that, that's there's a, a proven track record recently where Josh Heupel has been able to put up points and yards against SEC defenses. And Knoxville yeah, but- says the SEC didn't play defense in 2020. They play a lot less defense. All right, so here's the difference, Austin. I'll take the Mike Leach thing a little step further because I can do good research on the fly. It's a talent that I have. Good for you. Mississippi State, as I said, you know how many points they averaged? How many? 21 points per game. Only to uh, second to last, Vanderbilt was, was dreadful. At Washington State the year prior, he led the Pac-12 in offense and scored an average of 37 points per game to lead the Pac-12. So, again, I I will not sit here. I don't think – I'm not sitting here saying that that will happen, that he can't – that Josh Heupel won't score points. But I will support Barr in the sense of SEC plays defense. This is a bigger beast, and you are comparing uh, apples – to let's just go with uh, mangoes. The mangoes. But no, Barr's comment comment was that what Heupel's done prior doesn't mean bleep now. It does because he did it at Missouri prior. Like, that's the thing. That's that's where Barr is incorrect, factually incorrect. That he did it in the SEC in 2016 and 2017. By the way, what game did Butch Jones get fired after? In 2017, when Missouri dropped 60-plus on Tennessee in Neyland Stadium. The next day, November 12th, it was a Sunday. I remember it. Butch Jones axed after Josh Heupel's offense dropped 60-plus on Tennessee and Neyland. That was more about Tennessee, less about Missouri. But again, that was one of the second. It was the second year in a row that Drew Locke and Josh Heupel led the SEC in total offense. Uh, Look, Josh Heupel has great offense. All I'm saying is the SEC defenses are a different beast, and that's what Barr was pointing. I'm not saying that's incorrect. I'm just presenting other facts as well. Called him out. Yeah, because he said it doesn't mean anything. Because the he contradicted himself. He said, this is the SEC. What you've done prior doesn't mean anything, which he's done things in the SEC As prior. As a head coach. Well, we're talking about offense. We're, that's what he was saying. What Josh Heupel has done offensively doesn't mean anything because the SEC plays defense. He contradicted his own comment. That's the part that I'm saying. Is it cool? Uh, it's fine, but uh, Mike Leach has struggled, and his offense yes. were prolific. Right, for sure. A to Z Sports here live um, on a Thursday, and that Thursday means the Magic Bucket. So if you've never seen the Magic Bucket, you're in for a treat because Zach and I are about to look like fools. Some Tennessee fans think we're fools already, uh, but now we're actually going to look like fools. The Magic Bucket coming up, but first I'm going to tell you guys about Mandu, the Pulse of Fitness 
where one 15-minute workout equals five-plus hours in the weight room. How is that even possible? It's the science of full-body electronic muscle stimulation. Mandu.com. Your first workout is absolutely free. They've got three locations here in Middle Tennessee. They've got two in Memphis, and they're exploding across the country. Mandu.com. Your first workout is absolutely free. All right, Magic Bucket. If you've never seen the Magic Bucket, we created this over a year ago, and every Thursday you have to provide a sticker for the Magic Bucket each week, and that alternates. And then we dive into the bucket. User submissions are open. Our DMs are wide open. Slide into our DMs, and we've got to do uh, semi-crazy stuff. I only do it like we're not doing Steve-O jackass stuff. We're doing semi-crazy things that we don't want to do. That can so, be executed on the show. Like last week, I had to sing a Disney song, so I sang Hakuna Matata. And then on Monday, Zach had to hula hoop live on the show in which he got two seconds of hula hooping. All right. I'll, I'll you know what? It, I've got one. I've got one. You got your sticker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll save my – I'm going to have to take a day when uh, A.J. Brown is relevant. I mean, he could be because of what he did with, for the painting uh, this past week, that was pretty cool. Playing his Pro Bowl stuff. Yeah, and the Pro Bowl st- uh, the interviews. Which but we posted on our social media. You can go check that out. I will go <laughs> – I'll go the comical route, okay? The sticker – you know, we've got an article coming out tomorrow correct Austin on who yes tomorrow Cole Patterson who uh, writes for our Dallas website was a SEC recruiting assistant last football season at an SEC school and he actually did part of his job as a recruiting assistant was to do an evaluation on Caden Salter and so Caden Salter and how he fits with Josh Heupel's offense from Cole will come out tomorrow at our website a to z sports nashville.com so that will be very interesting because I don't think you can get that anywhere else. What's Caden's last name? Salter. So, my sticker, don't be a salty bitch and read that article. <laughs> With the salt, if you've ever seen the logo salt, she's spilling the salt in the rain. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's there's a connection there, right? Interesting. Get you know, you know, get out of your fields, go read the article and learn some stuff on azsportsnational.com. Yeah, that would look seriously, that'll be very interesting from Cole on Caden Salter and how he fits. Hell of a yeah. promotion. Hell of a promotion. All right, Zach, you ready for this? No. <laughs> me either. So I think I pull f- this is for me. <sighs> All right, I've got it. Uh, Jeff says I was expecting a salt live sticker. All right, so <laughs> So I, I I pulled one that's in my hand, Zach. I also had one that fell out of my shoulder. Look at this. Should should the shoulder be yours? Because I've already got this one in my uh, hand. I, I don't care. <laughs> okay. So the shoulder will be yours. Unless you know what it is. Well, and it's actually, bad, I, don't, I don't. I don't know what it is. It's folded up nicely. Uh, I believe. I just I just pulled the Disney song one. So now I'm gonna pull the one off of my shoulder. Is this for you? This is for me. And so now I have to do, Zach, something you did two weeks ago, and that is I have to make as many animal noises in 30 seconds as I can. Okay, now here we go, baby. That's that's what I'm talking about. 
That is what I'm talking about. We finally get payback, and you're going to realize how hard it is. Now, you do get a head start of you've watched my video multiple times because it Very got full. Funny. Very funny. But we will do the timer 30 seconds. How many did I get? You got seven? Eight. I want to no, say No, because you you quacked like a duck twice. Do you, are you 100% on seven? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't recall. I know it was so, around seven or eight, but – um, you did a construction noise once and you quacked like a duck twice. I say we set the bar at eight. That's fine. And Rob says seven. I believe Rob, you. We have to have confirmation. If he would have said seven final A to Z, I would have gone with it. But he didn't do that. So uh, the bar is set at eight. It's not Tuesday. Uh, the bar is set at eight. <laughs> Let's see how many animal noises you can get or can make in 30 seconds. I will start the clock on your first animal noise. Trying to get a game plan here. <clears throat> Actually, you don't get a time to think about it. And go. Meow. Meow. Woo. Uh, moo. Woo. Woo. Oh. Uh, That's a goose. Um. Uh, that's a frog. The other was a pig. Um, oh and God. stop. <laughs> I ran out. You got 10, but you, you rolled through them. I, I, I did get, you did two frogs back in a row. row well, I did, I did pig. Then I, you'd I said already the, done pig. Well, I, well, I, you, what what it should have counted for, and I just it was a toad and then a frog that would have counted. But since you said it was a pig, I mean, you still beat eight, so it doesn't matter. But that was that was actually pretty good. I do think you got the benefit of watching somebody else do it. But I, look, that was good. I hey, you did well. I'm not. But that I'm was not. a it was a good frog toad interaction well, no it was I, well i i did the pig and then i had frog next in my mind and instead of saying that was a pig i said that was a frog and then did a frog so so i messed it up i i messed it up and then you like you like immediately threw it on me I'm like no you gotta go now <laughs> well yeah because I, I started thinking about it i was like why am i letting this man think about anything well i let you do that no i don't think you did i did I said starts on your first thing, and, and you went. Yeah, and the uh, you, the Nate the, the donkey made me think because I was like he had already done a horse. <laughs> oh, that's a donkey. So, uh, pretty good. There you All go. Right. All right. So this is for Zach Magic Bucket on this uh, Thursday. <laughs> so I'm just glad that one gets thrown in the trash. Now we both done that. Oh, you did that already. What was that? You had to take a selfie and text it to Buck. You did that already too. The that? unibrow. The unibrow. Oh, yeah. You need to do the unibrow. I went back and watched that show, and the unibrow was so subtle, it looked real. That's the point. All right, Zach. Um, take off your, your shoe. Are you wearing tennis shoes? Yes. Okay. Take off your tennis shoe and you have to untie that tennis shoe and then teach us how to tie your shoelaces like we're four years old. Well, 
here is the problem. These are Nike shoes and they're new age. They're millennial types. <laughs> and you don't tie them. <laughs> so this is what you would do, kids. No, 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 and look, it slides up and it slides down. This is this is bull. Easy this is BS. To do this doesn't count. Clip. Oh, it absolutely does. You clip the bottom of the shoe, and that keeps it fat, uh, uh, tight, right? So you, you 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 put your shoe in, and all of a sudden, boom! Put your shoe in. There you go. You put your foot right there. You can draw draw it down. New Edge technology by Nike. This is this. Sucks. All the kids are doing it. No. I, I'm with Ethan. Boo this man. You got to teach us how to tie shoelaces. That's what it says. <laughs> I, I teach us how to tie your shoelaces. I, 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 that's exactly what I did. I don't think this counts. It absolutely does. I did exactly what the thing said. You also said you put your shoe in here, which was a funny misspeak. I don't, uh, that really sucks. That sucks that you just got away with that crap. I don't like that at all. Yeah. It is unfortunate. Oh, that's bull. I mean, because you know, whatever. I don't have shoelaces. I will. I have shoelaces. They're just should we? Yeah. I, I mean, look, we've got weak. We've got doesn't count. Um, a kid can do all that. This doesn't count. Boo this man. Redraw. Prank call Basilio. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be the ultimate troll job. Oh my god, what we would never do that, but. If I have we no did idea. That when live he on air, and we prank called Basilio and like created this fabricated story. Again, I, I have nothing against Basilio. I, I don't need it. But this little show rivalry that has been created in like three days is pretty funny publicly. That would be hilarious. Different dueling shows prank calling each other, and you really can't call into this show, so we have the high ground. Yeah, that would but be I don't know when Basilio goes on air. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, is I don't he, if he's on air right now, then we could do this. Well, no, we would create a special stream. <laughs> what are you <laughs> Good point. talking about? <laughs> Good point. You're right. We would do that. Uh, so look, I mean, user submissions, you can slide in our DMs and submit when, what you want us to do in the magic bucket. So I'm just saying user submissions are allowed for the magic bucket. So if you have an idea, you can absolutely do this. Uh, this is not necessarily suitable for work. I won't go all in on this, but there's a, there's a, like a card game, a drinking game, do or drink or something. And you have to pull cards and you've got to do great. great thing. One of the cards was you had to call a restaurant and ask if they had a, uh, how do I say this? A male's <laughs> private part meat sandwich. <laughs> so you get what I'm saying? Yes. I and I had to do that. I actually had to call a restaurant and the guy, the guy on the phone goes, Hey, Terry, I swear. He goes, Hey, Terry, we got any of them blank meat sandwiches? <laughs> he goes, no. And he goes, sorry, sir. We don't have any of them. And I go, thank you. And we, God. Oh, God. That would be funny though. If you could just, if, if you had to, that's a good submission. You call a restaurant or a place of business, and we have to say a certain thing. Again, we're just you guys can take it and run with it. The DMs are open on on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. 
DMs are open for user submission. So go for it, guys. And uh, if we have to prank call Basilio, then we'll prank call Basilio. So we'll figure it out. That's funny. All right, guys. Great Thursday show. Uh, Zach is out tomorrow. Buck Rising will be in with me uh, tomorrow morning on a Friday. Deshaun Watson has officially asked for a trade. So I guess we're going to be talking about that one. Pretty big news there. Uh, from the the AFC South. So have a great rest of your Thursday. And there is a brand new Big Orange podcast episode that's out, emergency podcast, with Charlie Burris and Zach Reagan always do a great job every week. But they've had four episodes the last two weeks because of the firings and the hiring. So go check that out, the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. And we'll check you guys later. See you. Adios.